Captain Miles uh, and talk about leaders leading, he literally just the only reason why I kept running is because he kept running faster than me. So uh, so we are now we're connecting here on the podcast. We're just kind of having fun playing little Mad Lips about readers. Uh, not I'm sorry about leaders are. So we've got leaders are tall. Leaders are uh, imperfect. Leaders are enthusiastic. Leaders are readers. Leaders are speakers. Leaders listen. And today we're going to be talking about all the components of leadership that you need to create an awesome $10 million team, maybe even $100 million team. So what we do here on this podcast, Startup Years, is we gather experts, people who are past the startup phase, they're into the scale up. Now, what does that mean? That means that you've already gotten some seed funding uh, or you're close to being there. And now the problem is scaling. Because when you're a startup, it's about surviving. And so we're going to talk today about how important the leadership team is so that you have the right type of enthusiastic leaders who are listening, who are using their speaking skills to inspire and not forget about all of the dots that need to be connected. My name is Ryan Fon. I connect dots on the stage. I'm a global speaker. I love this podcast because we really get a global perspective. We bring CEOs and executives from around the world together. And today we're going to be talking about how that works with leadership. So we've got Michael, uh, also known as Mike Diaz here, who's going to be our moderator and step everybody through the series of questions where we're going to talk about how to build that leadership team. If you want to find more of these podcasts, uh, you can find them at scaleupacademy.io. And Mr. Mike, you are a leader. Therefore, on point with this podcast, I will let you lead the conversation about leadership. Here we go. So thank you so much for the intro, Ryan, and thank you so much also to Mark, uh, David, and Rob for joining us today and sharing your amazing experience scaling companies. So as Ryan was saying, uh, one of the main challenges of starting up is about finding product market fits. So but when you are scaling, it's, it becomes much more the scaling up formula, so which is to assure that you have the right people on the right seats. Uh, focused on the right priorities, executing those at the right pace uh, with uh, a capital efficient business model uh, at scale. So we'll be discussing how to build a great leadership team to get to 10 million US dollars and why not scale beyond uh, 100 million US dollars. Uh, we were just sharing these metrics. There are only 4% of all companies who are able to surpass the 1 million US dollars in revenues, only 0.4%, the 10 million, and 0.0198%, the 100 million. But before we start the discussion, let's start by intros and getting to know more about the um, people, the leaders that we have here today with us. So Mark, why don't you start uh, letting us know a little bit more about yourself and contact engines? Thanks, Mike. Uh, my name's Mark Smith. I run a company called uh, Contact Engine. We're an outbound conversational AI. We uh, engage in automated conversation with our clients' customers, uh, clients like Verizon, Sky, Virgin Media, Centrica. So we carry out uh, millions of uh, automated conversations across uh, all channels available to us um, every week. Uh, I, however, am a biochemist by background, so go figure. I employ 60 people, 50 in the UK, 10 in the US. Thank you, Mark. Uh, well done. And what about you, David? Yes, I'm, uh, I'm the co-founder and CEO of a company called Corner Job. Uh, we're the leading mobile recruitment platform for blue-collar workers or lightly skilled jobs. Uh, we, we started three and a half years ago. We're present in four countries, so... 
France, Italy, Spain, and, and Mexico. Um, we raised $62 million in total. Uh, that was, the last one was a Series C. And we are, we are now a team of uh, 85 people uh, across all of those countries, uh, headquartered in, in, in Barcelona. Yeah. Well done. Thank you, David. Uh, what about you, Rob? I'm Rob Stradoff. I, uh, I run a business uh, called Liberus, and uh, we provide funding for small businesses, uh, which is repaid in line with their cash flow. So it's, uh, it's a totally different um, you know, a totally different way of uh, business loans. Um, it actually works by taking a repayment uh, as a fixed percentage of their, their, uh, their car takings or their online uh, transaction streams rather than the monthly lump sum. Um, and to date, um, you know, we've, we've advanced uh, over or nearly 300 million pounds of, of uh, funding to about uh, you know, close to 10,000 uh, small businesses. Um, we are you know, 100 employees at the moment and, and counting. Um, we're present in three countries. We just expanded into uh, into Europe, and um, early next year we're highly likely going uh, to tackle another one, maybe even two countries. Um, we have offices in London, Nottingham, uh, and uh, we have our eyes on on the U.S. expansion as well. Uh, and that is, you know, uh, on the back of uh, having secured about fifty-seven and a half million pounds of funding earlier this year, um, and you know, we're, we're uh, from, from a funding perspective, we're backed by the government's uh, British Business Bank, uh, as well as uh, Paragon Bank. Thank you for the, the intros and for, again, congratulations for the great track records. And yeah, well, so let's let's go to the topic and, um, and maybe trying to understand. I'm sure that for all of you, it was not easy uh, to go from zero to one, to one million US dollars in revenue. But uh, what were the, the top three or the top or the top main challenge that you were that you, that you faced to get to 10 million in revenue? Maybe we can we can start now. The end opposite order. Rob, would you like to, to go first now? Um, so yeah, I'm I'm slightly different in that um, when I came in, we were uh, we were doing about you know close to five million of revenues um, when I was hired as CEO. But to get to 10 million or where we're currently at uh, this month, we have a run rate of of over 30 million pounds of, of, uh, of revenues. Um, so to get there over the last two to three years uh, has been has been quite a quite a scale up struggle, I would say. Uh, so top three uh, challenges is forever and ever attracting the right talent. You're such a different company from when you're uh, when you're a five million dollar company than now you're a thirty million dollar company or actually forty million dollar company. Um, Digitally, you know, this digitally upskilling not only the team that you have in the company but actually the customers that we have. Uh, which is really interesting. So for us, you know, small business finance, um, making sure that your your customers are actually growing with your products, or vice versa, your products is growing with your customers. It's really important. Um, and then we do most of our lending through large partners. So you know, challenge number three that we had when you know when you're at five million uh, with one partner, it's slightly different than uh, thirty million with uh, with nearly ten different partners. Uh, you need to keep them all all happy and and uh, and you know engage with all of them. So you have um, the digital integration with those partners. You have the uh, origination challenges that you have with them, uh, and working together with their team. So you might be the most technologically advanced and quickest and most agile company that you can think of, but you are dealing with a whole bunch of partners that uh, uh, that are very large organizations and can't switch as quickly as you can in terms of your product proposition and and, uh, and uh, delivery. 
So you need to you need to take into account, you know, we're dealing with the likes of WorldPay, Barclays, Barclaycard, those kind of large companies. Um, you need to take into account their timelines rather than your timelines. Got it. So in, in a summary, attracting talent, developing talent uh, also, and, and then the complexity of managing more stakeholders, sometimes with different interests, different needs, and kind of articulating them all together to, to go to the next, to the next level. Uh, interesting. Uh, David, uh, what about yeah. you? Any, anything in common? Yeah, I mean, uh, well, we had specific challenges, I would say, because of our model, which uh, started as a marketplace. So we started from scratch, of course, and that uh, one first challenge was go for, for, to, to go from free to pay, right? Uh, so we had a, a long period of time where we were, well, long, everything is uh, relative, of course, but um, during uh, the first year and a half, uh, we were completely free. And so the challenge, even for what we already called sales teams, uh, was to, to, to just make sure that uh, the, the marketplace was uh, growing. Uh, we had a, a higher penetration. We're getting companies to register and, and publish job, job posts. Uh, and then the challenge was to, to, to move from that to start, pay, to, to start having paying customers, right? So when customers have experienced a free service and then you have to move them to pay, that's always challenging. So uh, there the, the, the point was to really find the right targets uh, for initial monetization. And expand from there uh, gradually. So that was that was the first one. Uh, the second one was um, uh, identifying the right target and sticking to it. And I have to admit that still we, we still haven't completely solved that uh, because it's always challenging. So I'm, I'm talking about big masses, like you know, do we go to corporate businesses? Do we go to medium-sized uh, small businesses? So we had it very clear from scratch that it wasn't going to be small businesses, but then. Uh, the, 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 the boundary or the frontier between uh, corporates and, and mid-sized ones actually makes you do something very different in terms of product development. And, uh, and so there's always an arbitrage to be made between, well, this can bring a lot of money, usually the corporate ones, but then all the specific things you have to do for them. So um, yes, that's the challenge, uh, just saying no to some opportunities and, and focusing on your, your, your core target once you've identified it. Um, and once again, that's still sometimes a bit of a struggle even today. Um, and the third, well, third one would be, I would say, finding the right sales model. Uh, we've been, you know, trying many different things. Um, you know, from um, you know the, the right balance between uh, inside sales teams uh, and field sales teams, the roles they have. You know, hunters. Um, uh, we've been trying the predictable, uh, predictable revenue model. And, and what we've seen along the way is that actually it takes a lot of time before you actually can do an assessment of what you've been testing. Uh, if you try something and want to have results after three months, uh, you will most probably not get uh, you know, uh, the, the results you expected. So you, you kind of have to stick to something for a long period of time. And that's also very challenging when you're under stress of you know, growing fast. And just for context for the listeners, um, so who, who is your target today and what was the, the kind of questions or troubles that, that you had about? Yeah, so, so we're a platform where we have uh, job seekers and the service is completely free for them. And then companies who use the, the platform, the ones who are paying us. And so our typical users today are mid-sized to bigger uh, size um, uh, corporations. Um, so that can go, well, on, on the more corporate side, I would say to public institutions like the French army, 
who recruits, uh, you know, uh, 15,000 people every year. Um, that can be um, the Accor group, for instance, in, in, in Horeca. Uh, these are the kind of corporates, right, uh, which represents uh, one part of the business. And, and I think we've been focusing a lot on those uh, during a period of time. And then over time, we've understood that this, could, this should be part of the mix, but the main, uh, the main focus for us should really be medium-sized companies. So that could be, you know, franchisees of big brands like uh, McDonald's, etc. Um, these are the kind of examples, right? So companies who do hiring on a continuous basis, uh, but still, um, you know, uh, are more limited to a, a few tens of uh, new employees uh, a year. That's our core target. It's interesting, and usually we talk a lot about this. So that when we are scaling, uh, it seems that now we have much more people on the business, and we can do much more things. So, but the year idea and what we were trying to understand is, where will you double down? What is the target market where you will concentrate all your efforts and be really the leader um, in that market? So it's 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 a main learning for any startup that is out there who is thinking about oh, when I get to Series B, C, or to 10 million, 20 million, 30 million, that's the time that I will start opening up our uh, segments and going everywhere to every market. So usually that's when you would need to double down and concentrate even more your efforts and when the alignment is more difficult and the focus more difficult to, to keep moving forward. Interesting. What about you, Mark? I will have the benefit of going at the end so I can agree with uh, what my uh, my fellow entrepreneurs said. But I, I jotted down a few um, thoughts while they were speaking. I think the um, the skill set between zero and one and then the one from 10 is interesting. I, I think um, uh, when I was doing the, the, the naught to one, there was no one better at, at selling what we do than I am. Um, I think you can't carry on with that approach between the one and 10, otherwise it itself is, it's not scalable. So trying to create a sort of a common language, a sort of um, a, a common approach from, from colleagues and actually articulating things in a way that they can uh, most readily uh, take on board themselves and then uh, improve upon is, is, is key to the, to the one to 10. Um, we, um, uh, a couple of years ago, we've raised, um, uh, compared to others, a relatively modest amount of money um, three or four million sterling or so uh, but one of the reasons we did that was we wanted to break into the u.s market and uh, uh we, i sometimes joke it's the old old story of a um a british tech startup going to america and it all goes horribly right so we um i, I had a terrible experience in my dot-com days of making it go badly so uh, there's a there's a challenge in maintaining culture uh, and I don't mean that in a sort of textbook sense. I think the uh, my, my company has quite a quite an open, inclusive, collegiate um, uh, culture, and maintaining that across the Atlantic is a challenge. I think. And my third observation, um, uh, and this is one that uh, is one of the few things that um, I agree with in in, in management books. Um, hiring people cleverer than you is absolute key to your success, and uh, I'm uh, I do that um, almost every day. So, uh, so I surround myself with uh, with bright people that I don't feel particularly threatened by, and I've discovered that that's a very good way of progressing. There are two bit I'm getting increasingly stupid. One or two. One or two. <laughs> so and. Yeah, so I, I assume that in a, in a certain moment from going even from zero to one, or one to 10, uh, you need to start um, going beyond delegating tasks to, to delegate functions and to delegate strategic projects. So 
what were the most difficult ones to delegate? So where where did you feel that you need to start delegating? So what was the first function and the first person that you bring to the leadership team? Or maybe we can start by explaining what was your founding team and then how it evolved to the next stage of, of business. Maybe it helps uh, to. No, that's a good question. The, the, one of the one of the things that I, I learned over the years is that I, I'm very uh, aware of what my weaknesses are, and um, uh, and I hire people or, or work with people that that um, uh, fill those gaps. In, I won't tell you what they are, but fill those gaps in my uh, in my in my business um, business life. Uh, this business was founded by three people, um, and uh, about eight years ago, um, six practically, but but relatively recently. Uh, there was a, an engineer, a, a CTO, who I've worked with for um, uh, most of my adult life. And there was a sales guy. Uh, and, uh, and there was me as a sort of uh, singer in the band, I suppose. Uh, so so um, those founders are still in the business. We're, we're friends. I've uh, maintained that friendship through that, through that period. And we've hired through, that, through those networks as well. So uh, we've been um, uh, we've been fortunate in, in being successful and having good backers and uh, and grown um, uh, that same group of people through. It, uh, there is some truth to the people at the beginning, not necessarily the people that should see it through to the end. But I see relatively little evidence of that in our in our business. But you know, what was it you said between ten and a hundred noughts points noughts one something? Uh, we'll see. And, and, and what was the, so you keep running uh, with these three people in the leadership team, so you didn't feel yet the needs of having another person joining the leadership yeah. team at this stage? Sorry, I, I should have said, so um, early on I had a, an FD uh, and, uh, and he left the business. Um, uh, he was young and so we knew he would. And then uh, the business was mature enough for us to be able to attract uh, uh, a CFO, COO, um, who was um, similar age to me, who was uh, uh, very experienced. And that was the sort of uh, the fourth wall in our building, I suppose. And uh, and he's been with us for about three years, but he's a man that um, uh, fills another one of my gaps. Got it all. And, and why a CFO? Why a CFO? Uh, so when I have a conversation with uh, 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 P houses and VCs, whenever they ask questions about the beans, they don't look at me, they look at him. <laughs> Got it. Perfect. And uh, David, uh, how was the evolution of the founding team to the leadership team across these different stages of scaling the business or starting the business and then starting to scale the business? Yeah, so we actually, so we're four co-founders, but uh, not all of them uh, were operational in the business since the start. Uh, the specificity is that two of them were actually also involved in a, in a venture builder, uh, very known in, well known in, in Spain called Antai in Barcelona, which means, and so one of them is, is the chairman, or was the chairman since the beginning and, and still is. The other one wasn't really involved uh, on the day-to-day -day of, of the business and, and it is the case and uh, so he's in he's at the board but not involved on, a, on the day-to-day -day. and and the fourth one uh, who's Italian actually started the business in a very operational uh, matter in in Italy and so he ran the, the subsidiary there for a couple of years um, 
But uh, in terms of a leadership team, uh, the first person uh, who uh, I recruited was the CEO, who's still the CEO uh, of the company. And I would say for a few months, we didn't really need the other C-level uh, people because we actually started within the venture builder and we got great support uh, there for uh, a few months. Uh, we had a CTO from the venture builder, uh, everything related to um, uh, finance, legal, etc., was also covered uh, by support from the venture builder, which allowed us to actually spend all our time uh, on execution. And that's why operations were, I would say, the most important part at this time that we had to internalize from scratch with, uh, with the CEO. And then after a few months, of course, because the business was growing, we started doing funding, etc. That's when we started building um, the, the, the team and uh, ended up with, well, you know, not uh, needing the support from this uh, uh, venture builder structure after, I would say, probably six or seven months. Even marketing was kind of externalized initially uh, with an agency also in the same building for the acquisition, uh, online acquisition, etc. But yeah, then after a few months, everything was internalized. Interesting approach. Um, what about you, Hop? Uh, interesting how, um, how we're slightly similar uh, to, to David's uh, story. We, um, we were still part of a, of a venture builder called Blenheim Chalcott, uh, who provided a lot of the services that initially for us, uh, such as tech, such as CTO, such as legal services, um, you know, corporate IT. Uh, it's quite, quite useful to have that in the very beginning of, of a company. Uh, and whilst we were scaling, um, you know, we, we hired a, a great CTO, then we hired a you know, COO, Sorry, as um, you know, operations director, we hired uh, legal head of legal. Um, you know, and, and piece by piece, you can then replace the venture builder services with your own people. In that case, to uh, to build out the the, the functions that you need. Um, I think, you know, for, for the very beginning, um, especially in the lending business, having a, a an amazing uh, director of risk, sort of credit risk officer type uh, person, is absolutely key. Um, and making sure that you have a, have a great CTO or tech-enabled uh, person who can who can um, you know, create that that two-click lending proposition that we're um, that we're rolling out with our partners is incredibly important. Um, and then now we're post the 10 million mark and going towards the 100 million mark. Um, we've just hired a, a brilliant COO uh, to help us with you know, scaling the business. Someone who's done this before, twice before actually, um, and can then help us with uh, getting the the right teams in place or like right, right uh, reporting structures in place, I would say, to make sure that everybody knows A, what their goals are for the next year, but B, have the responsibility and the authority to act on those goals as well. Uh, and that's, that's very different from having 10 people or 20 or 40 people versus having 100 plus people. All of a sudden, those responsibilities, you know, people might, might not be rowing all in the same directions. Got it. So, which means that the the first key position for you was the director of risk, and now is is the CEO, uh, the the new strategic yeah. piece that you are adding to the team. Of course, everyone is important. <laughs> I, I, I'm not I'm not trying to put you in a difficult position here. Uh, it, it depends on your own skill sets as well, right? The mark mark was very clear. Like, look, like, I don't I understand where my 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 non skills are, my skills are, and where my non skills are, I hire brilliant people that are more smarter than me, and where my Skills lie. I portray and you know, tend to tend to tell the team that I'm the best in uh, in that that area. <laughs> Absolutely. And is there any area? Sometimes uh, CEOs, when they are looking back, they they think maybe I should have been delegating products uh, earlier. So I, it was very difficult to me to let it go. Um, 
it was very difficult to trust me to trust someone to to lead marketing or to lead sales or even the sales function as as mark was saying so i'm i'm the one who is the best salesman in 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 the team at this stage so how do i build a system how do i let other people start going to clients without having myself in every single meeting so is there any function any role that was very difficult to you personally to let it go because you you thought that you were amazing but it was also bottleneck for you to scale to the next layer and feel free to start any of you who already have the answer in your mind <laughs> david for instance yeah i mean the, in my case i'm um on top of being ceo of the company i started also taking care of france um you know as a, kind of as a country manager and i spent half of my time uh, in the paris office and i have to admit that this was a wasn't easy an easy part to let go right because there again as you said i was you know having the relationship with all customers and uh, and and it also makes things easier when you come as the ceo of the company actually uh, to get more business so that's probably one that uh, was more difficult for me to completely delegate uh, when we hired a, a country a country manager it took me some time to get used to it <laughs> got it that, that's the point and what about you mark um uh, there's one thing i've um, uh, i i can't really hand over and uh, i'm um, I'm a scientist by background and, and innovation and new things intrigue me. So um, I still maintain a, a fairly strong um, uh, a guiding hand on, on the innovation work that we do, uh, particularly around some of the more advanced um, NLU and machine learning and all the AI tricks. Uh, that um, just interests me. Um, I think I personally it would be, uh, it would be difficult to convince me that it wasn't a mistake for me not to do that. Uh, I'm almost happy to give everything else up apart from that, mind you. Got it. So it's still difficult to you to let it go still today. <laughs> <laughs> the rest of them are my dying hands. <laughs> uh, and what about you, Rob? Um, it, it's always incredibly, it's incredibly um, difficult to delegate and delegate well, I would say. Um, it's not just, you know, scooping something over a wall and say like, here, you run with it. No, it's, it's really like being, being involved from a high level perspective is, is difficult. Um, you know, especially if you've been here, uh, been running the, the company now for, for just over three years, uh, you've seen every aspect. Uh, if somebody new comes in, um, training them up and making sure that they're, they're, you know, they're surpassing you is, is uh, that's, that's the goal, of course. Um, in terms of my, my background, um, you know, for all my sins, uh, I've been an investment banker for about seven years. Um, so finance and corporate development and uh, raising debt, you know, it's very useful in a, in, a, in a lending company, but it's also really difficult for me to hand it over to my CFO um, and let him run with it. So, you know, he he's always has this, uh, uh, you know, he always has my crying eye looking over him um, on, on every single bit that's finance related and same with business development. I used to be in business development and did a lot of that stuff. So those two areas, definitely the most difficult for me to let go. Interesting. I'm, I can't say what is the exact quote, but the idea is in order to grow, you might start delegating tasks and functions that you are weak. But in order to scale, you need to start delegating the areas where you are strong. 
So it, it is not this quote, it's something similar to this uh, mindset and philosophy. And I found it uh, very, very uh, interesting because yeah, usually it's, it's, it's the things that we are super good at that are more, more difficult to delegate because we believe that we can do better than someone else. Um, perfect. And what's next? So what, what would be the main challenges of the future? So what do you think are the main areas of the business that needs to evolve and needs to, needs to have a new owner uh, in the upcoming uh, 18 months, 24 months? Um, Mark, would you like to come back? Uh, no, it's an interesting question. I, um, uh, my uh, um, career uh, is impacted by timing. So uh, uh, mine was the last float out before the crash in uh, 2000, uh, an AIM listing that uh, was very big, very fleetingly. Uh, so I think um, uh, for me, uh, business success is uh, um, uh, timing resonates very strongly with me. I think we are we are seeing certain uh, macroeconomic circumstances which are unnerving, and so I think making the right decisions as to as to how you're going to grow the business and with whom um, uh, over the next twelve months is a thing that exercises me a lot. But it's particularly relevant for me and my. Uh, I should have stopped working when I was thirty-five. I'm hugely irritated by that uh, by that mistake. That, that's a good charge. <laughs> um, David. Yeah, so we're, we're a tech company first, right? And as I said, we started mainly being a marketplace, but uh, we're evolving uh, um, our, uh, you know, value proposition um, uh, towards the on-demand uh, recruitment, on-demand staffing, uh, which means that there's going to be um, uh, a heavier uh, operational uh, component uh, in the future. And, uh, and I think we really need uh, a leadership within the company that can speak both languages, I would say the operations and, and product, make sure that both things combine well and, and we, we manage to scale thanks to technology, even though in a more operational world. Uh, so that's going to be a key role uh, for us, finding these people. Got it. Thanks, David and, and Rob. Um, you know, I think, I think for us, um, for us, the future, you know, the future of our, uh, our company that depends on, on a multitude of things. Number one is international expansion. Number two is product expansion. Um, you know, both of those will be, uh, you know, will be, will be key hires for us and key areas that we, that we want to go to, go into. Um, both of them are also, um, you know, if you look at the, the path of companies that have managed to innovate beyond one product, one market uh, is not great, especially not in fintech. Um, you know, and, and even Google or Amazon, you know, well, Amazon's slightly different, uh, uh, slightly different animal, but Google, you know, their main revenue driver is still search. You know, and, and Google Maps and all the other stuff is really nice, but it, it's, you know, it's, all, um, it's all you know, minimal stuff compared to, compared to their main product. Um, and that's key for I think a lot of uh, a lot of fintechs is you, know, you have one product that can be successful, but if you want permanent, well, not permanent, but if you want longer uh, longer duration growth, you need multiple products and keep innovating. Uh, and yeah, for us, that's going international is definitely one of them. Um, very challenging. We need new international heads and product heads to um, to develop new products for us. Is uh, key. Got it. 
cool. So we are almost wrapping up uh, before I pass back the word to Ryan. But before, uh, we always like to ask this question in, in the show to all our, of our guests. So Rob, if you have the opportunity to meet Rob three years ago when we were starting as mm -hmm. the CEO of Liberis, well, so what would be the advice that you would give him? <laughs> <laughs> well, three years ago. Well, um, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure my, my working career has always been, um, I've always been quite, quite hectic, I would say. But um, my, my favorite quote is always, life is what happens while you're busy planning the future. Um, you know, and, and work is for me is, is always been encompassing from, from a young age. Um, but I should not forget to have, um, have fun and live my life. Don't look like family, friends, uh, and, and quite importantly, those who you work with. So um, make sure that you uh, make sure that you don't find yourself too important. That's kind of my message to myself. <laughs> Yeah, this, we, we would share this this for both of us. So. <laughs> David. Yeah, well, what I usually say to the teams is what I would say to, to, to the younger myself, which is uh, speed is the ultimate competitive advantage. Uh, I've been speaking a lot about speed since we started this chat uh, because our product is about speed uh, to, to recruit people. And also the way we executed and allowed us to be um, you know, to lead the markets, uh, the main markets where we're present, like France, uh, Italy, or, or Mexico, is really um, by you know, not being scared or doing things very fast. So there's been moments, uh, particularly at the beginning, where uh, we knew we were not doing things the best way, right? So, for instance, uh, you know, launching a TV campaign at nationwide level um, uh, one month after starting in that country, Right, uh, starting operations meant obviously we didn't have yet the best uh, marketplace, the most penetrated marketplace, the most job offers, etc. There was a lot of risk, uh, but because we did that, we led the way, and and that allowed us to make sure that we were uh, blocking other competitors from coming once we reached, you know, the um, so being blunt uh, uh, and and just uh, executing super fast, I think, is the best advice, and not be scared. Uh, yes, it is more risky, but the rewards are are, are greater if you do so. So kind of the importance of being category leading. Uh, so you need to act fast. Yeah. A certain way. Got it. Thanks, David. And what about you, Mark? Uh, no, I echo David entirely, but I'll do it um, much more quickly. Three years ago, I just say, hurry up. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. It is it is aligned with your plan for the upcoming years that you just shared today. Right? So I'm having some rest. Stop, stop collecting guns. <laughs> yeah, I see. <laughs> Absolutely. So it was a lot of fun to have this conversation. So thank you so much for sharing your insights, learning so much. And Ryan, word to you. Yeah, well, thank you for the, the talking stick. It's been fun listening to everybody. And the topic was leadership. The, the stall tactic in the beginning as we were connecting the dots was a bit of this leadership mad lips, which is leadership blank or leaders blank. And so as we went through today, I just took a couple nuggets that I thought were noteworthy to sort of sum everything up in no particular order. And again, this is a fun exercise with your team or your leadership team to just have people fill in the blanks because uh, one thing that I've heard through everyone is this uh, awareness of the teams that they are building. It's not just uh, these individual people as an island. 
And so I think if we forget to ask our employees and those people who are we are leading what their expectations are of leadership, then we might become a bit more one one minded or one sided and you'll lose team members that you wouldn't have been able uh, that, that you could have kept if you kept them in the conversation. So leaders delegate well. Leaders are aware of their own weakness. Leaders hire smarter people. Leaders learn to let go. Leaders evolve. Leaders attract the right talent. Leaders understand timing. Leaders focus on product first. Leaders innovate. Leaders are fast to execute. And leaders must remember to have a work-life balance. I feel like that was a leadership poem and I can attribute all of you as authors within that. But it's funny always to think back to the advice that people give themselves. And we have everything from uh, slowing down to remember that you have a life outside of work to hurry up when you're at work. And I think of all of this, if we're looking at how to build a $10 million leadership team, it's about really taking the time to think through what you're going to do, whether that's acting fast, whether that's hiring the right team, and one of my favorite parts of watching people on a podcast is the time that they take before they choose to speak. And in that few seconds, there's a lot of magic that goes on. And I feel like we just got the tip of the iceberg with you gentlemen. So anybody out there that uh, found one guest in particular or a few of them to resonate, I encourage you to reach out because the gaps between what the questions were asked and what they answered, there's still a lot more information and 45 minutes with four people is hard to just get that deep dive. So I encourage, and I will probably as well, reach out to you guys and poke a little bit more because uh, the best advice we can get is from people who have been there, who've done that and who continue to do it. So I appreciate all of your insights and uh, I'm sure that the content that we see with you guys online and following your companies, we can lead by example. And this idea of zero to one, one to 10, and then 10 to 100. I think if we partial these off, there are different leadership capabilities and teams within all of that. We all have our one or two spots that we wanna hang on to, uh, hang on to, but don't forget to pass, pass that responsibility so your team can actually grow. So I'm excited to poke and do a little friendly cyber stock on you guys and get to know you more and see your companies grow. But yeah, uh, I think at the end of the day, leaders are dot, 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 whatever you make it to be. So learn from leaders to lead better because leaders learn from leaders. There we go. All right. Thanks, everybody. This is a lot of fun. And Mike and everybody, we'll see you next week. If you want to see more of these episodes, it's easy. You go to scaleupacademy.io and every week we bring in the Scale Up Heroes, the entrepreneurs who have made it past the startup phase. They have survived. They are the anomaly. And now we get to watch and learn from them as they grow to 10 million, 100 million, or even $1 billion. <laughs> Maybe a trillion too. All right. And remember, if you haven't made it to the 10 million mark yet, you can have a mindset. You can have the $10 million mindset uh, because at the end of the day, we are all as good as our team. So build great teams. Uh, maybe we'll see you guys soon. This has been a lot of fun. Thank you guys. Thank you. Thanks.